Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on Facebook or our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. There's an interesting cartoon that shows a fourth grader, uh, a little boy, standing toe-to-toe and nose-to-nose with his teacher. Behind them is a blackboard covered with math problems that the boy has not finished. With rare perception, the boy says to the teacher, I am not an underachiever. You're an over-expector. <laughs> That's uh, quite the insight from the boy and maybe perhaps a nice way to get out of some extra work. <sighs> Often the distance between our expectations and our reality are far too great for us to overcome. When expectations and reality do not match, we can experience frustration and disappointment and a lack of fulfillment. Today's text is from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verses 26-38, through 38, where Mary encounters the news that she will give birth to the Messiah. And the title of her message is Unexpected, because we have earthly expectations and godly expectations meeting, and Mary has to decide what to do. The story is full of earthly expectations, but then God interrupts, and he does something new, and he does something Mary doesn't expect. The wonder of Christmas is this that the arrival of Jesus invites us to leave behind earthly expectations and earthly realities. If we are willing to leave our, our earthly expectations behind, we can experience God's reality and God's expectations. When we find this, we can experience a new identity and a new sense of fulfillment. This story is full of expectations and realities of the world, of Israel and Mary. But then God invades, and in that moment, Mary must decide if she will be bound to her expectations, or if she will let God do something new in the story of her life. What are your expectations of yourself? What do you expect from life? What does life expect from you? What do the people around you expect of you? Do you feel that pressure? What do you expect from God? That's a really important question, and I want you to think about that question for a moment. What do you expect from God? Your answer can make all the difference. Today's text asks us to put aside our expectations and to join God in His plan and His expectations. When we do this, we will find the best version of ourselves and rich fulfillment in life. Let's read the text in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. When it comes to reading the Christmas story, we have an advantage. We know what comes next, but Mary did not know, and she had to decide whether or not to trust this word from the Lord. And this is the challenge, and this is what we're invited to. We're invited to look at our past, and then try to look into our future, and then trust God's plan. We too will have our moments, and we do not know what comes next. Perhaps you're in that place right now. But in these sorts of moments, you and I must decide if we're going to trust God and let Him do something new, or if we're going to reject His plan. Our text today is full of ordinary, earthly expectations, human expectations. This is just how it is. This is why I'm the person that I am. But much of our society, much of our society, shapes who we are. And this was the case for Mary. There were a set of expectations that set her identity out. They shaped her identity as a young maiden in a fishing village of Galilee. I want you to listen as I list out some of these expectations. I want you to listen as I then counter these earthly expectations with the unexpected thing that God does when he breaks into the scene and gives godly expectations to Mary. The first earthly expectation, that limitation on Mary, is we're told she's from the town of Nazareth. Nazareth is a backwater town in the middle of nowhere. It's not a seat of power. Nothing significant comes with Naz- comes from Nazareth. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 46, reads like this, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? The expectation from Nazareth is low, and low for anyone in Nazareth. So the bar set low. I'm just a lowly person from Nazareth. And then that's followed up by telling us that Nazareth is in Galilee. And Galilee shares much of the same lack of notoriety as Nazareth. Galilee is full, however, of devout people who love God. But they're simple people. Fishermen. Tradesmen. They're not world changers. And Galileans were notorious for having... If you would believe this, if you would hear this, they had a bad accent. They, they had a way of speaking that the rest of the Israelites, they didn't like for it, like, they didn't care for it. And so when a Galilean traveled and went into a uh, visit, visit a synagogue uh, of another area of Israel, they would not be invited to read the Torah like other guests might be invited because people just didn't like to hear the sound of their voice. It was an ugly language they spoke. They, the accent was not beautiful. Can you imagine that your way of speaking kept you from connecting to people? That's what Galileans faced. A third detail that's given to us, an earthly expectation, goes like this, and it's a little longer. There's a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. This is a normal arrangement. It's the hope of every young girl. It was expected that Mary would be a virgin, that she would be devoted to her her husband, that she would provide his children for him. You can begin to hear society's expectations being pressed upon Mary. This is who she was supposed to be. And she's probably looking forward to this. But God's plans did not fit with this earthly expectation. And fourthly, I'd like to name one more earthly expectation. 
the text tells us that Joseph is a descendant of David. And that statement, a descendant of David, is loaded with expectations. Israel's one-time king, David, was promised by God that his throne would endure forever. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16 says this, Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Israel hung on to this promise like a gasp of air in a time where they were under the waters and drowning the ocean ruled by the heavy-handed Romans. They were looking for the Messiah, the one from the line of David who would restore their nation of Israel. But it's been centuries since a king from the line of David has sat on the throne and ruled Israel. Disheartened, the people still looked and still yearned for Messiah. So the expectation, the expectation was high. So high was this expectation, you might have missed an important detail as we read the story. And this kind of lays out Mary's position that's shaped by all of these earthly expectations. You know, when we're so familiar with the story, we sometimes forget to see some of the fine details in there. But I want to encourage you for a moment to look at the order in which names are introduced in the story. We see first there's a virgin but no name. Pledged to Joseph, and the story right here in Luke is not about Joseph. The line of David is proclaimed, and then, oh yeah, the virgin's name is Mary. In a world of expectations, you can see where Mary ranked. What she was, a virgin, seemed to be more important than who she was, child of God. Joseph gets named first. Her being a virgin gets named first. The line of David gets proclaimed before Mary's name is ever revealed. <clears throat> Mary did not have grand expectations of herself. And neither did the world that she lived in. As such, her identity was wrapped up in these expectations. But with these four normal earthly expectations that are laid out... God interrupts, and he interrupts with a new set of expectations. At the beginning of our text, we have this God interruptions, and then after we have this description of a virgin, well, we have Nazareth and Galilee, a virgin, and Joseph, and the line of David, and Mary, God interrupts again. He, he interrupts before any of these earthly expectations, and then he comes in right afterwards with the angel Gabriel. All of a sudden, the ordinary uneventful plans and identity of Mary are turned upside down. Young maidens from Nazareth do not get angel visitors, let alone one of only two named angels in the whole Bible. Interestingly enough, the Gospel of Luke, uh, angels appear in more than 24 verses, perhaps more than we expect to see. And angels announce, I find it interesting, angels announce the arrival of Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, and angels uh, minister and an angel ministers to Jesus just before he goes to the cross. He's in the, the garden of Gethsemane. He's praying to the Father. He's saying, if you would take this cup from me, and, and finally he says, not thy will, but your will be done. And then in Luke 22, verse 43, we read, and an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Angels do not just show up to nobodies. When an angel shows up, God is about to do something big through a person. In the Old Testament, that person usually becomes a hero of Israel. And now something big is about to happen in the life of Mary. And then the angel speaks, and that gives us our next 
unexpected godly expectation. The angel says, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Not only does Mary have to deal with an angel visitor, but his words perplex her. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. It is not fully explained why she was perplexed, but we are told that she was perplexed before the angel revealed that she was going to give birth to the Messiah. Messiah's, er, Mary's expectations are not ones that include an angel telling her that she's awesome. How would you react if Gabriel showed up to you and told you that you were favored? You might start thinking about all the stuff in your life that was harder than you wanted it to be. You might be going, you're saying I'm favored? How am I favored? You might think of dear loved ones that you lost too soon. You might think of disappointments you had to experience. You might think of times that you have felt powerless. How am I favored? Your expectations do not meet with God's, and now you've got a problem. And I think Mary probably had a similar problem. And then there's one more surprise the angel must deliver to Mary. One more plan of God. You will give birth to the Messiah. Verses 31 through 33 give us a fuller description of that news. She'll give birth to a son, and she'll name him Jesus, which actually, if you ever wondered, Jesus, Jesus, is the Greek name for the Hebrew name Yeshua, Joshua, which literally means he will save. Most Israelites interpreted the name Joshua to mean God will save his people. It's a name full of expectation. And then the angel tells Mary that this son will be the son of God. This would be a complete surprise to her. And that he'll be of the line of David and he'll reign forever and ever. That's a lot to take in. Mary's expectation is that she is a young maiden pledged to be married to Joseph. They'll have a family and they'll live out their lives in Nazareth. That's it. But now God has laid out a new set of expectations and Mary must decide which set of expectations she will live by. And see, this is important. We need to catch this. Our expectations have a tremendous ability to shape our identity and our future. But our experiences often shape our expectations. And today we're being asked, are you going to have an identity shaped by your expectations and this world's expectations? Or are you going to have an identity shaped by God's expectations? There's more power in how expectations shape us than we realize. A Harvard social psychologist named was Robert Rosenthal. He did a study in which uh, all the children in one San Francisco grade were given a standard IQ test at the beginning of the school year. The teachers were told the test could predict which students could, have ex- could be expected to have a spurt of academic and intellectual functioning. The researchers then drew names out of a hat, And they told the teachers that these were the children who had displayed a high potential for improvement. Naturally, the teachers thought they had been selected because of their test performance and began treating these children as special children. And the most amazing thing happened. The spurters spurted. Overall, the late-blooming kids averaged four more IQ points on the second test than the other group of students. However, the gains were most dramatic in the lowest grades. First grade, first graders whose teachers expected them to advance intellectually jumped 27 and a half points, and the second, uh, second spurters increased by an average of 16 and a half points more than their peers. 
One little Latin American child who had been classified as mentally retarded had it with an IQ of 61 scored 106 after his selection as a late bloomer. Every child benefits from someone who believes in him, and the younger the child, the more important it is to have high expectations. You may not have an Einstein, but your child has possibilities. Expect the best, and chances are that's exactly what you'll get. So that's how this illustration goes. I think it's pretty important and powerful. Expectations can change our identity. And I believe it's the same with you and me. The expectations that we follow will shape who we are. And we can see this in Mary's story. Mary has to decide what to make of Gabriel showing up to talk to her. At every point that God interrupts her story, sharing his heavenly plans and expectations, Mary has to decide whether or not to believe and agree to be part of God's plans. After Gabriel lays out God's plan, Mary responds in verse 34 with the weight of society's expectations on a girl from Nazareth. She says, God, let me tell you who I am. And her response is this in verse 34. How will this be since I am a virgin? I am a virgin girl from Nazareth. I'm supposed to be pledged to Joseph. That is who I am supposed to be. And Mary says exactly, exactly what you and I most often say when we encounter God. You want to do what? Don't you know who I am? Let me tell you. God wants to speak a word to you of his plans for your life. God wants you to trade your earthly expectations for his heavenly ones. And I know we have people listening who want desperately to serve God, who desperately want God to bring meaning into their life. I know we have people listening who want to be a part of God's plan. They, they want more for their life than what this world says we're supposed to have. But, and that's when we respond like Mary. Mary says, but I'm a virgin, how can this be? And when we want God to move, we go, but. As soon as God delivers his invitation, we throw our experiences and our expectations back at him. How can God be like this? How can this be? I don't have an education. I don't have the energy. I don't have the youth. I don't have the experience. i got to take care of my family. I'm too broken, God. I'm too sinful. I'm not smart enough, God. I'm, God, I'm too careful to take risks for you. We can do just what Mary did at first. She said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. But God doesn't want us to respond that way. Whatever reason we ultimately say, we end up saying this. God, you can't use a person like me. And this is a sign that we live by earthly expectations instead of godly expectations. What expectations has society put on you that you're letting keeping you from receiving God's heavenly plans and expectations? God wants to do something through you. And it's something the world would never expect. So like Mary, we must decide. And Mary does make a decision. i got to point that out. Verse 34 tells us that she sees herself as what the world expects, a virgin, a Galilean maiden. And the angel speaks to Mary again, and he explains without explaining how this is all to come to pass. And I might add that in the middle of this explanation, the angel reveals to Mary that what's happening to Elizabeth. Elizabeth is in her sixth month of pregnancy, and, and, and this itself should tell us that God can work outside of our expectations. See, Mary was likely young. We don't know how old, but she was probably 13 years old. And Elizabeth is described as too old to have children. Age doesn't matter to God, apparently. 
not too young, not too old. Your willingness to say yes to God is what matters. Mary may have first responded with a no, I'm a virgin. We don't really know that she said no, but she responded with her earthly identity. I'm a virgin. This is who I am. However, at the end of our story, we see that Mary has let go of earthly expectations and grabbed onto God's plan, and we have her decision, and she says, I am the Lord's servant. When Mary makes this decision, she switches identities. As one commentator put it, Mary's child is to be named Jesus, but she's free to name herself. Before she can name herself, she must let go of the world's naming and embrace God's naming. She must embrace that she is blessed and favored in God's eyes. The good news runs counter to our usual ways of identifying ourselves. The world tends to identify us by our physical biology, by our social roles. We, recognize, we are recognized by our faces, but our faces often reflect our social roles. Luke's Christmas story is an invitation to trade earthly expectations for God's expectations. When we do this, we see who we are in God. Our relationship with God establishes who I am and what I am. I mean, you do realize that our expectations create the boundaries of a relationship with God. The relationship will be as vibrant, deep, peace-giving, productive, and meaningful as our expectations will allow. It's worthwhile to ask yourself what you're expecting of God. We talked about that beginning of our message today. What do you expect of God? Sometimes our expectations do not match what God's Word tells us. We might expect God to keep us happy. We might expect Him to prevent pain and hardship from coming into our life. We might expect God to bring wealth into our lives. These are not expectations that we can stand on. They're not biblical. But we can stand on Luke chapter 1, verse 37 in our story today, where it says, For no word of God will ever fail. And I want to remind you of just a few words of God that will never fail. Do not forget these. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For your Lord, the Lord your God, goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God will not leave you. Isaiah 40 verse, verse 31 says this, But for those who hope in the Lord, the Lord will renew their strength, and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God is our strength. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast the more gladly about my weakness, so that God's power may rest on me. God's grace is sufficient. And 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We have forgiveness if we'll seek Christ. You know what I find is most of these promises reflect the humble state that Mary took on. I like this word from Todd Townsend. Maybe the biggest problem we have in our society is that no one is trying to be like Mary. We try not to be lowly. I don't know how it is where, you're, where you live, but over here we're certain that we must be successful. We must get ahead. We must be important. We must gain influence. Think of all that we could do. Then we internalize these demands and think if we fulfill this mission, we'll be safe, successful, influential, strong, and powerful. And we emphasize that we'll be safe. This is counter to God's expectations. He asks us to join Him and be humble. 
So as we come to a close, I must ask you, which expectations are you living by? Society's expectations? Your own expectations? Christmas is an invitation for you and me to join in God's unexpected plan. We can receive the redemptive power of Jesus, and we can choose to live as sons and daughters of God. Will you let God do something new in your life this holiday season? Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you for coming down here to earth. Thank you, Lord, for interrupting our world, our expectations with something new, your son Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would put aside our own expectations that put us into shackles and that keep us from you. Help us to let you into our lives in a new way. Lord, do something new that is unexpected. Lord, I pray whatever expectations we have that are hindering us and keeping us from being in a deeper relationship with you, that we would set them aside and embrace your plan for our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.